Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, good afternoon. This oh, good morning. Feels like this afternoon. We got snow hill, and I got here, and I got a hill to get up. So I was out there. You know, I got my working man shirt on today. I was out there spreading salt, baby. It's not. It's nine o'clock, and I've already. Uh, been attacked on Facebook by an ex-writer of the Indie Star. I'm a victim. We all know victim pays. I'm a damn victim. I'm minding my own beeswax. The Indie Star does an article on me. Some former writer from the Star starts talking about how much I've been suspended, which has only been once in 15 years. I, I come back. He starts making fun of my mental health issues. What are we doing here? It's not even 9 o'clock, and Doc Itch can't even have a nice cup of coffee, roll around, never mind that part, uh, take my mental health pills, get my show ready, and I got a deal with some old guard indie t- uh, uh, newspaper guy who's out of work because he's lazy, giving me grief on Facebook. I want to make this clear. I should only be have to be a Twitter fighter. I shouldn't have to fight on Facebook, too. And before you'll read this, Dockage goes, no, 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 no. Dockage doesn't go after anybody. Dockage doesn't think about anybody other than himself and his wife and his jobs. And Dylan, always Dylan. And my guy, Jimmy. But these guys come at me. I'm not built to just sit back and take it. I'm not. I'm a victim here. Dockage is a victim. I am. It, Lee, does it pay to be a victim? I know it does. It pays to be a damn victim. I'm minding my business, sweet as you please. I go to Facebook last night, guys attacking, guys lying about me. So I straighten him out, and then this morning, he goes into all these other lies. Don't lie about I do enough stupid stuff that you don't have to lie about me. I give you unbelievable content when I do games that you don't have to lie about me. This show, you know this true. This show's literally the best show they've ever had in the morning other than Mike and Mike. It's just a matter of whether we advertise it right and get it out there. You know we're telling the truth. You don't have to lie about me. You can say all the things that I do legitimately that are stupid. No reason to lie. World's nuts. I, I love Trey Young. I love Trey Young. In fact, Trey Young said in the podcast that I was the first guy that made him realize he could be an NBA player. Uh, we're going to talk to Bob Rathburn. You will love Bob Rathburn, the voice of the Atlanta Hawks. You will not like him. You will love him. 9.30, that's coming up. And 10 o'clock, my boy, Hammer and Nigel shows the number one show in Indy in afternoons. It's a political show. He also does Indiana Bets on our station. He is Everything you want in a radio host, because he can talk sports, he can talk politics, talk whatever you want. The great Jason Hammer. Hammer time coming up at 10 o'clock as I'm getting ready to go to Florida because I got to go give a speech. Yeah, I'm going to give a speech to a company. It's going to be glorious, too. When I give a speech to a company, there's usually standing ovations and a great time. True story. Uh, so, anyway. All right. Rutgers basketball. 
Rutgers basketball played last night at Michigan. We all know what's happened with Michigan, correct? Michigan this. Miss Juwan Howard with the chicken blank over the top. He's from the south side. Well, it was a chicken blank punch. It extends a long line of chicken blankness going back to the final four days, interrupted by Belon's class, and now at least last week or last Sunday, we're back to chicken blank. Anyway, Phil Martelli comes in. I told you this yesterday. I let you know, people, yesterday. I told you. Phil Martelli, this dude has coached a bunch of games. This dude knows his way around it. And as an in-game coach, he is much better than Jawan Howard. And it's not even going to be close. Now, Howard, because of his ability uh, to connect with all of Michigan. Howard is a good coach, not saying he's not. But Martelli is a much better game coach than Jawan Howard. And because of the way this thing has gone down, the players won't revolt against Martelli. Michigan looked damn good last night. Uh, Michigan has now, according to Joe Lenardi, jumped into the NCAA tournament, which is pretty good for them because early in the year, they were not very good. My boy, who has become the tweeting patriarch of this show, the great Kevin Custer, um, he had chimed in with a tweet earlier in the day, which I found interesting. His tweet was, hey, is it fair? Is it fair that uh, Martelli, uh, I'll read it to you now. Is it just me or does it seem unfair that Juwan Howard got suspended, yet Michigan has a better coach now? Phil Martelli in the Big Ten at Michigan would struggle recruiting, all that stuff. Big Ten's weird. Jawan Howard, better coach for the program, no doubt. However, if I'm coaching a game, I'll take Phil Martelli. Phil Martelli did wonders uh, at St. Joe's until he did what a lot of us did at those type places. He stayed too long, got his ass fired. But Phil Martelli knows his way around it. Phil Martelli can coach it. Um, <clears throat> here's why Kay's great. You ready? Here's why Coach Mike Krzyzewski is great. Because Coach Mike Krzyzewski and the Duke Blue Devils do this all the freaking time. They lose to a team, and they don't lose to a team all the time. But for the sake of argument, okay, just for the sake of argument, they lose to Virginia. Like teams lose. That's what happens. Then when they go play Virginia again, I swear to God, I swear to God, their record's got to be 100%. It's got to be. It's got to be 100. I swear, they. I know I'm wrong about this. I understand. Look, you North Carolina fans, I know there have been days that you have beat, or years that you have beaten Carolina twice. Don't get me wrong. I know. <clears throat> but who among us would not have said yesterday, uh, Duke's going to win this game at Virginia? Because that's what great programs do. See, I live in Indiana. When I was in Indiana, there was an expectation. When I was at Indiana, there was an expectation. Not that we always won, but there was an expectation to be that program like what you see out of Duke. Hey, you may beat our ass. We're not going to win every home game. We're not going to win every road game. We're not going to win every neutral site game. But I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now, when we play it a second time, mm -mm, not today, not tomorrow, not the next day. It ain't happening. I want to say good morning to all my folks on YouTube, Ed Rogers, Tony Savas. Tony Savas still saying, it wasn't a punch. Okay, Tony. Whatever it was. Uh, Brian T.A. Jr., Jesse Wickens, Brian Smith, Joe to the C. Good morning. 
Dan, what's the truth of the matter today? I got a bad habit of saying truth of the matter. Chris Sullivan, thank you all for joining. I don't see him. I don't, I don't know. Uh, where the hell is El Presidente? I don't know. He must be working. Providence Xavier, did you see this game? You want to know how two coaches should act? Ed Cooley, Travis Steele last night. High-intensity game. Three-overtime game. I might have been four. Hell, I don't know. Lee and I were watching, and we're like, I, I don't – Travis Steele's a guy that I hired at Indiana, so I, I root for Travis. I think I got to have Travis on next week. What am I doing? I should have had him on today. What the hell am I thinking, Dylan? So I hired Travis. Travis ends up as the head coach at Xavier, and last night they had water on the court. Now, Ed Cooley may be America's best coach, combination America's greatest man. Just a great dude, the coach at Providence. Travis Steele, great dude. Fantastic coach. Funniest single guy ever when he was a video coordinator and I was the interim head coach at Indiana. I made him an assistant coach at Indiana from a video coordinator for two reasons. One, I wanted him to get more money. And two, he deserved it for telling me all the stories when he was a single guy. It was my daily listen. It was hilarious. And I'm not talking about, you know, the guy-girl stuff. I'm talking about just interacting in life. Hilarious dude. Root for Xavier just because. Anyway, um, I got a great story about Mike Ganzi, too, the new general manager of the Cavaliers. Anyway, this game goes back and forth. 99-90. Kid hits a three at the buzzer to send it to double or triple overtime. They got to wipe down the court. But Ed Cooley and Travis Steele were exactly how coaches should be last night. Battling their ass off, chess match going. I mean, what are you doing? I'm matching you. Both coaches, high intensity. But but when the officials and ADs and administrators came over because they had water and they had all kind of things going on, Ed Cooley and Travis Steele were awesome. That should be a clinic for how coaches should go about the business of coaching in-game. Those two guys. I can't wait to put that on Twitter. Hey, Dylan, can we put that out on Twitter? Send it an outkick and put uh, at Xavier Coach, at Travis. Just make sure they know <clears throat> that we're talking about the greatness of them last night. The game was great. The coaching was great. <clears throat> the interaction was great. I'm telling you. Uh, compare that with the stupidity we had on Sunday. And one is Bush League. The other is Major League. Really. It was terrific. Uh, Kentucky, LSU. You know, Kentucky was really good for a long time. And the Big Blue Nation, man, they got their panties in a wad, didn't they, late? All of a sudden, LSU started pressing. All of a sudden, didn't look so good. And the bitch about this game, you want to know the real crux of this game? This is how crappy. This game was a seven-point spread. Kentucky blew a seven-point spread for all of us. I don't care that you guys, I don't care that Kentucky won. It doesn't affect me, although I do like Cal a lot. But the crux of the matter is seven-point spread. They were up 15-16. Bah! As my friend Todd Stoner would say, bah! Bah! Hey, uh, also last night, uh, speaking of blowing a spread, but this was a really good game. Wisconsin is, man, they are fighting. Wisconsin basketball is fighting, literally, I guess, 
when they play Michigan. But Wisconsin basketball, off of that debacle against Michigan, they got to go to Minnesota. Now, Minnesota had a packed house last night. Uh, For those of you that don't understand the northern part of the world, the northern part of the world, at least in the United States, that's a big-time rivalry. They either play for a jug or an axe or, I don't know, a condom. I don't know. They play for something. The hell do I know in football? In basketball, they just, you know, they play. How about this? Going into yesterday, the football series, Wisconsin and Minnesota, all-time tied up. The basketball series, Wisconsin-Minnesota, all-time tied up. And these two schools have been playing each other since, like, 1642. I think it was, like, Game of Thrones time. And these two teams were scrapping with leather helmets, no face masks, and the winner got a sausage and some cheese. Yeah. Men play up there, ladies and gentlemen. And men go at it. And then at the end of the game, men drink out of a little brown jug. That might be Iowa. I don't know. I really don't care. But anyway, it was a hell of a game last night. And what was interesting for Wisconsin, people feel like Johnny Davis is their only hope, right? Johnny Davis, Johnny Davis, Johnny Davis. Well, I got to tell you, Wisconsin's got a nice basketball team. Brad Davison, whether you like him, you dislike him, who cares? I mean, Twitter makes us all feel like we're, we're, our, our opinion matters. It really doesn't. And the truth of the matter is, um, Johnny Davis last night fouled out with about three or four minutes to go. And Wisconsin, not only well, they hung on. They should have covered. They missed some free throws, gave up a bucket. But Wisconsin went up there and got a massive win. This weekend's going to be fun. I'll preview it here coming up later on in the show. It was a good night of hoops last night. If I had a hair on my backside, I'd have just bet everything I owned on Duke last night, money line. That's just stupid. I mean, think about the great programs. They just come back and win. They do. And I want to make sure I'm not missing anyone, but I don't think that I am. I, I, I honestly do not think that I am. I think I gave you, I think I gave you what I got. All right, let's look at a couple other things from last night. Um, you remember Kyrie Irving? He of the earth is flat. He of like, you know, if if I'm going to survive in this world, I got to be more like Kanye than LeBron kind of a thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Kyrie Irving may have actually won. Dan, what the hell are you telling me Kyrie Irving won? Well, here's what I'm telling you. For those of you that don't know, and this this is not the easiest thing to understand. So I will give you credit here, but New York, excuse me, Brooklyn is part of New York City. Now, you guys say, wait a second. No, it's not. No, it is. I'm going to say it again. Like, Brooklyn may be the fifth largest city in the country, but it is a borough of New York. So when the new mayor, Mayor Adams, comes out and says, I am going to soon phase out New York City's indoor indoor COVID rules, which means you got to be vaxxed and all that stuff, Kyrie Irving wins. You know, Steve Nash said that Kyrie Irving was chomping at the bit. I mean, couldn't wait to get back to playing. Now, let me give you a backstory. Kyrie Irving is unvaxxed. He won't get vaxxed. And this is the dumbest thing ever. Kyrie Irving is not allowed to play at home. He's not allowed to play in Brooklyn. And he's not allowed to play at New York City when the Nets play in Madison Square Garden. However, and he's not allowed to play because he's unvaxxed. However, Visiting players that are unvaxxed are allowed to come in and play in Brooklyn and in Madison Square Garden. If anybody can tell me 
What the hell that is about, I don't understand. Uh, please do. Wait. Uh, whenever I need something that I need to understand, I go to the YouTube chat on this show or my afternoon show because those guys are usually on. But if you can make sense to me about why Kyrie Irving couldn't play because he's unvaxxed, but yet visitors come can come in and play in the same facility unvaxxed, then God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Because I personally do not understand it. I don't understand it even a little bit. Not even sort of. But that's all right. It's not necessarily for me to understand. I'd like to understand it. But anyway, it looks like Kyrie Irving won. So salute to Kyrie Irving. I don't think, I got to look this up, but I don't think the earth is flat. I don't, I don't think. Doesn't mean I'm not right. Doesn't mean uh, it isn't. It just means that I personally don't think the earth is flat like Kyrie does. But we're all, we, we all have our own opinions. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's not like I'm right. Uh, Dan, the Thrones era was not a real time period in history. See, Outkick, you smart asses. Look, hey, Outkick, Dylan, I'm just talking here. Give a brother a break. Come on. Um, <laughs> uh, Mudcat says it's liberal, it's, war- it's woke, it's warped logic. I, I'm going to get into politics this afternoon and or this morning. I'm going to get into it at 10 o'clock with Hammer. Uh, and you're not going to, some of you are going to like it, some of you don't. You know, whatever. Yeah, Tony Savas, I'm going to be on this afternoon show. Of course I'm going to be on this afternoon show with Tony. Tony, reading is fundamental. All right, Mike Ganzi is the new, the new general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, full disclosure, I recruited Mike Ganzi when he was in high school. I'm a big Mike Ganzi fan. His brother is the coach of the G League team of the Pacers. We call it, you get that ride up 69, which means when the Pacers send you to Fort Wayne, it's right up I-69 when you got to go to the G League. Gansey's brother's the coach uh, of the Pacers G League team. All right, Mike Gansey is one of my favorite people. I probably have not talked to Mike Gansey since he was in high school. If I did, it was probably a chance meeting somewhere. He went to West Virginia and played for John Beeline. I was trying to get him not only at Bowling Green, but then at West Virginia when I was the head coach there for six, seven, eight, nine days. West Virginia, I apologize. Your program's been shit since I left, other than a little stretch with Beeline. I'm sorry. You had a nice year with Huggins. You haven't won a conference title. I don't even know when. I know I left you in a lurch in 2002. I know you get on your website still and on Twitter and kill me. I'm sorry. I apologize. I told you we were going to bring two national champions to you as I'm the only guy that would have ever coached at North at uh, West Virginia that actually had a championship ring. West Virginia, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But you were corrupt, and I don't deal with corruption. The only corruption I deal with is my own. There. Got that out of there. So anyway... Anyway, Mike Ganzi is my, one of my favorite players to recruit, and I'll tell you why. So Mike Ganzi is at our team camp in like 2000 and whatever, one or 2000, I don't even know. He's with his high school team, and I shit you not. I shit you not. 
Mike Ganzi played up and down the court with his shirt in his mouth. Now, I'm going to say this again. He had his jersey. Now, it's the summertime, so it's not like the team unis. You know what I mean? It's not like that. It's, you know, you guys got those reversible practice gears. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny the way the world works? So I just said you guys, right? And immediately it hit me. Oh, I better add gals in there too. Before the writers and the, and the bloggers and the tweeters get mad. It is amazing how we got to think now. Anyway, you guys, because it was a men's team. <laughs> uh, nobody else on their team did this. But Gandhi, he ran up and down the court with a shirt in his mouth. I'll never forget it. You recruit a zillion guys, right? You recruit a bunch of dudes. But I've never recruited a dude that puts his shirt in his mouth to run up and down. Now, full disclosure, I've seen it since. I have. I've seen it since. Um, Not a lot. Not a lot. But I've seen it since. Um, Old McDonald says, I just stay home and watch you guys get your drawers in a wad over everything. Everything. Uh, like listening to you, even though I don't agree with everything, that's the kind of person that we like. We like people that enjoy listening to us, even though they don't agree with everything. All right. Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, I'm telling you, Colin Kaepernick is going to save the world. He really is. My problem with Colin Kaepernick is this. My problem with Colin Kaepernick has nothing to do with kneeling. My problem with Colin Kaepernick has nothing to do with any of the stuff that you all deem important. Like, I, I got, that, that's, that's not my problem with Kaepernick. My problem with Kaepernick is when I started watching him and listening, he's stupid. Just sounds dumb. Sounds shallow. I was expecting this deep dude. Now, hey, look, do whatever you want. But that's my, your all's problem can be, hey, Dan, he's way smarter than you. Good, I'm sure he is. I'm sure Kaepernick has a, I'm sure he's a Mensa. Was it Mensa? Mensa, Mensa. Yeah, Mensa. Our coach here, Frank Reich, is a Mensa. But when you hear him talk, you're like, eh. He talks about hills and climbing and stuff. But when I heard Colin Kaepernick speak, I'm not going to lie. I was expecting this deep, like philosophical. And I watched one tenth of what, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm done. So he is going to provide autopsies, I guess. I don't know why I did that. I've never done that in my life. My hands are on both of my sides, and I picked them up and went like that. He's going to, I usually do this, or I'll go Bill Clinton. I wasn't on that plane with Jeffrey Epstein. Anyway, that was pretty good. Anyway, um, so, yeah, I'm not all in on Cap. But Kaepernick is going to provide autopsies, independent autopsies, for police-related shootings. Now, that's an easy thing to criticize, right? I mean, look, if you want to criticize, then criticize. That's cool. I, I got no problem with it. But to me, all right, I like people that do stuff. Like, I don't know whether Adam, what's his name, Rittenhouse? I don't know what he did. You don't know what he did. The media portrayed it so idiotically. I don't know. All I know is here's a kid that, you know, beat a rap. But I love the fact that he is now doing something. 
I love the fact that he is now suing basically everybody and their mother, including LeBron James, for calling him a murderer. Whoopi Goldberg, the president, Biden. I love it. See, like, even that, let me just explain. Even that, I said Whoopi Goldberg and LeBron James, and in my own mind, I had to get a white guy in there. Isn't that amazing the way we got to think now? You just can't come up with truth and honesty on who he actually suing, right? It's amazing. So he's suing the president, Whoopi Goldberg, LeBron James, and a host of others. Um, I'm all about that action, boss. Not the kind of action that that dumbass Damian Woody was talking about, saying that Jawan Howard's over the top is about that act. I'm not. I'm about the real action. So Kaepernick. And decides that he's going to provide autopsies. I'm all in on that. I get why he's doing it, because it's basically a show of distrust, but that's Kaepernick's thing. So fine. Action. I'm good with that. I'm good with that Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse, excuse me. I'm good with that Kyle Rittenhouse suing the absolute breaks off everybody that called him a murder. Whoopi Goldberg's dumbass wants to call him a murder. Boom. Biden. He, I don't, the problem with Biden is we all know the deal, right? He doesn't know it. He's, he's Ron Burgundy. I mean, let's be honest. We all know this, except you guys that are still clinging to whatever, you know, scraps of hate you have for Donald Trump. And by the way, also clear disclosure, I voted for me. Yeah, that's right. I did not vote for Donald Trump. I did not vote for Hillary Clinton. I was not voting for Joe Biden nor Donald Trump. I voted for Dockage. I did. I punched in my name in the last two presidential elections. I was told by somebody... I actually got 52 votes uh, in the presidential election that it was uh, Hillary. No, no, no. Yeah, it was Hillary against Trump. I don't know. I'm not, vote, I'm not voting for idiots, at least people that I think are idiots. I get it. You guys love them because they're on your side. I love Trump because I'm a Republican. I love, uh, I love Hillary because she's a Democrat. I love Biden because he's a Democrat. That ain't me. I was taught to think for myself. Pay attention. So anyway, there you go. So if Cap wants to do that, good. If Kyle Rittenhouse wants to do that, good. I got to tell you, I'm all about that action. The worst thing are the guys that just sit there and talk and talk and talk. Did you know I actually got criticized yesterday or two days ago by a media member here in Indy very publicly because I am too loud about the charities that I do? I'm too loud about the bikes program that I have that a lot of you, most of you, have donated to. That's, that's silly to me. People just get mad at people that think differently than them. And then when you come back at them, what do they do? Oh, they lose their mind. They threaten to fight. They call you. They, they, they make up lies. It's, the world is silly. I like, look, I don't support everything Kaepernick does, but I like that he's about action. Like, I, I would never kneel. I just wouldn't. And if I were Drew Brees, I would have never gone back in front of my teammates on statements. If I was John Cena, I would never be so chicken shit as to apologize to China. Never. Ever. However, however, if you are going to do that and you are Kaepernick, not the two chicken shits that I just mentioned, if you're going to be Kaepernick and you're going to take a stand, I can respect it. I respect the good boycott. Hell, when my dad was a principal at Calumet High School, listen to this. My dad's a principal at Calumet High School, Gary, Indiana. I don't know if you know about Gary, Indiana, but it is a place. Like, we used to say melting pot place because some of us were Serbians. Like, my, my grandfather came over, worked in the steel mills with a bunch of other Serbians. Then you had the Greeks. 
Then you had the uh, uh, Mexicans and you had uh, the African-Americans. We didn't have any rich. But even you can't, can you even say melting pot anymore? My dad was a principal at a melting pot high school. All of us were there. I didn't go to the high school. I was too young. And then when, I'll tell you a story. Everybody used to come to our house after football games. I mean, guys would TP our house. People would show up. My dad would buy pizzas. It was awesome. I was like 12, right? It was tremendous. Then all of a sudden, a new guy, a new superintendent that my dad, right or wrong, don't know, had punched in a bar a few years years before, he becomes my dad's superintendent, Herbie Abramson. He becomes my dad's boss. Well, the first thing Herbie does is fire my dad. He makes him go from the principal of a high school to the seventh grade typing teacher. True story. This is like 1976. I think I was in eighth grade. I don't know nothing, right? I come home and there's these big TV trucks in front of our house. Now, our neighborhood at 1620 West 54th Avenue, Gary, Indiana, slash Maryville, Indiana. I'll explain that. But it was, a, it was a fairly busy street, but it was a neighborhood. TV trucks everywhere. I'm like, Mom, what the hell's going on here? Did I get drafted by the Bulls? Did the, did the Cubs pick me up? No, there's a protest. Well, the entire school, Calumet High School, black, white, Mexican, Hispanic, Serbian, Greek, whatever, marched out of school in protest for my father. Now, I got goosebumps thinking about it now, right? I do. They marched down to the superintendent's office demanding my father be reinstated. Now, you got to understand, for a kid that's in eighth grade, it's the coolest stuff ever because it was going to be on ABC or Channel 2, Channel 5, Channel 7 in Chicago, and Roxanne Renner was going to know that my name was on TV and she was going to talk to me in school the next day at St. Peter and Paul. That's right. That's how this guy thought. But anyway... I'm up for a good protest. Long story short, my dad gets up with a megaphone. They stay out of school two or three days. My dad can't get them to go back to school. They protest because my dad's a good dude. Honest dude. I feel like I'm like my dad. At least I hope I am. You know, older people that have agendas don't like People with no agendas, black, white, whatever, love me. Anyway, long story short, I'm all for protest. So I'm all for Kaepernick want to protest, protest. And I'm all about that action. So there you go. That's what I got. When we come back, we're going to talk to Bob Rathburn, who is the voice, ladies and gentlemen, of the Atlanta Hawks. I love Trey Young. Full disclosure, I love Bob Rathburn too. And then the Degenerate Special coming up at 10. You'll love the Degenerate Special with Jason Hammer. We'll be right back. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. 
So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Uh, let's make no mistake. There are legends, and then there are legends. I mean, let's just understand right now. And my man, Bob Rathburn, is a legend's legend. Bob is the play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Bob is my partner at times during the TBT. And Bob has also been my partner as we've had a few beers, talking to uh, Travis Diener after a big win. So, hey. <laughs> That's where legends are made. Hey, how are you, my friend? You survived Chicago, Gibson's, America's number one uh, bartender. Yeah, Mark Wagner was there last night. Dan, I'm telling you, I was sitting there at the bar conversing with Mark, watching the hoops on the big screen there at at the bar that you love so much. And I'm out of my own business. And this lady comes up to me, and we start talking, and she says, big boy, I will do anything for $300. I said, anything? She said, yeah. Well, how about the pregame show? <laughs> a little broadcast of humor there for you. Bada bing! Ah, oh, a little bit of something from the South. Oh, I had, you know, Bob, you know me well enough to know my mind went a different direction. You know it did. You know. <laughs> hey, um, Bob, I want to ask you because I covered him a couple times in college, and he, Trey Young, actually said on a podcast, you know, this guy Dan Dockett was saying on a broadcast that I could be an NBA player. That's the first time I really, truly thought about it. So I take full credit for Trey Young, Bob. I'm just you telling can, you. I take you can full spot credit. talent. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he's amazing, uh, Dan, in that to do what he does at his size – you know, is pretty remarkable. He looks, if you just saw him on the street, he looks like a kid that's going to come over and mow your lawn, right, on Saturday afternoon in the summertime. But uh, the guy's a remarkable talent. Um, and I've always felt like his passing ability was much greater than his scoring ability. He scores a ton of points. But he is otherworldly when it comes to passing the basketball. His vision uh, is incredible. He reminds me, and, and you can relate to this to this one, I think he reminds me of Pete Maravich more than anybody else. You know, Pete did it with the floppy socks and the, and the hair going everywhere, but he would make those passes, those no look passes and the, uh, you know, hit, hit the ball up the guy's forehead and wasn't ready for it. That's what Trey reminds me of. He's the only guy in our league who's in the top five in scoring and in assists and to do it at his size with every defense that we face geared up to stop him it's pretty remarkable to me bob in my world when you have the last name that ends in itch <laughs> ich we're we're serbian you're on hollowed ground here big boy talking about pete maravich yeah. like that's high praise to a man like me in fact that might be the ultimate praise because that dude in our world the serbian world He's over here, man. The rest of us are underneath the table. You know what I'm saying. Well, we got Bogdanovich, too. I mean, we must be your favorite yeah. team. Yeah. I like you. 
Now that now that hey, now that I know Trey Young is Pete Maravich from my favorite <laughs> team, I didn't put, I had him as Steph Curry. Here's why I had him as Steph Curry. Coach Knight was broadcasting a Davidson game when Steph was at Davidson. And he said something that I really started paying attention to. And it's exactly what you said about Trey Young. Hey, Coach Knight said, look, the shooting in is all great. But he has unbelievable vision. So I always equated him to Steph more than I equated him to Maravich. But I like the Maravich. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's Steph. Uh, Curry is otherworldly when it comes to his shooting, as we saw at All-Star Weekend, I think. Uh, Trey yeah. is not that. Trey shoots the ball deep because he had to. He had to learn how to shoot out there to survive. And where Curry is just much more of a natural, free-flowing shooting talent, I think. Uh, But Trey is a streaky shooter. He can get hot. And his ability to shoot from the outside, just the threat of the three from distance, keeps that defense honest. Gives him some avenues to create uh, some passing lanes, uh, et cetera, areas to drive the basketball. So they're different. I, he's uh, He might be a little bit more like Steve Nash as a point guard than Steph. Uh, but his passing in is unbelievable. And I, that's what I, I marvel at every night, how he can find these guys. You know, he he's the the reason he's so good in the NBA because we run a hundred pick and rolls a night. He's got the middle pick and roll down. He's got two guys at Clint Capella and John Collins that can roll to the basket and catch the lobs and dunk it. He's got the ability to turn a corner and get past that primary defender. And the opposition big either has to come at him or he's got to go into drop. And when he drops, he throws the, uh, the, the floater, which he has perfected. It's unstoppable. If you don't get in front and stay in front of him on a pick and roll, it's over because he's got it mastered. I've never, there are a few guys in this league that can hit that floater like he can. You know what's interesting? Shashevsky. When he was coaching the Olympic team, he told me this. Uh, he was nice enough. I spent a couple hours with him in his locker room or in his uh, office as he was getting ready for training camp. He said, you know what we're spending the most time on in scouting? How to play Mano Ginobili's pick-and-roll game. It's so good. Yeah. Let me go something with, with Trey Young. I've always said this about guards, little guards in, in the world, college or pro. you got to be a really good layup shooter. You, you understand what you know what I mean by yeah. that, Bob? You you got to have floaters, spinners. You got to be, you know, he was really good at that in college. Uh, how's he now? Oh, he's that? perfect. I mean, this guy is a, a amazing talent, uh, he, and he can create at the last second. I think that's one of the things about what helps players make it in our league is you've got to make quick decisions, and when you make that decision, execute it. And he has the ability to change shots. I mean, he's got every trick in the book because he had to learn it. He's always been the smallest guy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, people say, well, what are you talking about, layup shooter? Well, you know, a big guy, a layup is right at the rim. A little guy, a layup is still about a three- to five-foot shot, depending on where they release the ball. And they've had to do that. They've had to do that their whole lives because I'm guessing Trey Young's always been the little guy on the team. And he's always had, Dan, that chip on his shoulder that he had to prove himself that he belonged. 
You know, you talk about those NBA dreams and, you know, for a kid growing up like Trey did in Norman with the Oklahoma City getting professional basketball when he was a kid and watching, you know, those early Hornet teams with Chris Paul. And then when the Thunder got there, those were the guys that he emulated and he wanted to be a part of it. But because he was so small, he always felt like he had to prove himself on a daily basis. And this is why he plays the way he plays. You know, he routinely takes every shot for us, uh, makes every pass because he's always played that way. And I think what Nate McMillan is trying to teach him and has over these past couple of years since Nate took over is that there's more to this at the professional level. You know, you've got four other guys you can lean on. You can't play the fourth quarter like you do the first quarter. And these are things, Trey's still a kid. He's still maturing and improving and, and, and learning the professional game. And to do what he does at 23 years old uh, is pretty remarkable to be a two-time starter in the All-Star game at this stage of his career. Bob, when he came, your, what were your first impressions when he came to the Hawks? I worried about his size, Dan. I, that was the number one thing. I thought this kid's just going to get beat up and – you know, he's so small. He's, he's about, I mean, they list him at 180. Uh, soaking wet, baby. Uh, but I, I just thought, I thought the size would be a detriment first. Then when I watched him play, I said, well, you know, this cat's yeah. got a little something special here in his bag. And I think the next step for him is going to be the leadership role. You know, can he lead men uh, all the way? And we got a taste of it, I thought, in the playoffs last year. Uh, we're going to find out here down the stretch because we're in a little bit of trouble. Uh, can he turn this on again uh, and lead us to the promised land one more time? But originally, Dan, I had my doubts. I got to be honest with you. I did not know that his game would translate to the pro game, but it has. He's flourished from day one. He's got better teammates around him, and that's why we won. The first two years were quite a struggle because we weren't very good, but now we've got better players around him, and we've got – three really good defenders out there with him to help protect him at the defensive end of the floor where he struggles. So uh, Capella is obviously excellent. DeAndre Hunter, who won a national championship at Virginia is the defensive player of the year in the country is out there at the wing. And then we also have Anyeka Kangwu, the kid from Southern California coming off the bench as a big to help. So uh, we we're kind of getting the players around him that will help him defensively, and that's why this team has a chance to improve as the years go on. Young core. Currently 10th, right? Currently in yeah. the playoff Yeah, we're still uh, two games under 500, and we've been under 500 since the middle of December. So we we got to kick it in gear. And, and our next five starting tonight here in Chicago out of the break are, are really tough games. we got the Bulls tonight. We go home and play Toronto Saturday. We go to Boston Tuesday. We play Chicago again in Atlanta next Thursday in a rescheduled game. And then we go to Washington on a back-to-back, and all of us are, you know, fighting for something. And uh, we got we to gotta start winning some games. Hey, who's the best team in the East that you've seen? I love the Bulls. I love DeRozan, but are they the best? Well, I tell you, the East is so much better than the West this year. It's, it's crazy, right? Um, I'm still – I just want to see how the Philadelphia-Brooklyn thing works out. Um, I, I don't know about Philly. I, Embiid is having – he's probably going to be our MVP. He's amazing, Dan. 
I mean, the guy, the cat is incredible. At his size, what he could do inside and out is ridiculous. But how does Harden fit in? You know, they lose Drummond. They lose Curry. Uh, those are big pieces for them. Conversely, you know, how does Brooklyn put all this together to make their move? Uh Everything hinges on the health of Kevin Durant. We know that. But if they lift the uh, mandates in New York and Kyrie can start playing home games and playing at the Garden, et cetera, uh, you pair him with that kind of firepower, man, I'm telling you, uh, look out for Brooklyn. So even though Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee, all at the top and have had good seasons, they're all good teams, it might be the four or five guys like Philly and Brooklyn uh, that end up in the finals. They've got a lot of firepower in Brooklyn now. I'm telling you, when Durant is back and he's healthy and plays like he was playing, they're going to be hard to stop. You know, it, it is amazing. I, I, the normal fan says, well, injuries are just an excuse. The normal coach or broadcaster goes, well, maybe, but when you lose Kevin Durant, you're kind of yeah. screwed. <laughs> I mean, I always said, get the bad players injured. If you got to have injuries, right. make it be the bad players. Don't let it be the stars. Yeah, right? and there's so few of them, Dan, in the NBA, as you know, guys that really make a difference, that, that you go out there and when the shot clock is winding down, there's a lot of guys that get alligator arms in our league. You know, they don't really want to shoot that shot. But Kevin Durant does and makes it most of the time. I tell you, here in Chicago, DeMar DeRozan has brought that to the Bulls. I think that's one of the reasons they're much better. Because they don't panic now at the end of the shot clock. They don't panic in the fourth quarter when the game's on the line. DeRozan's been there, done that. He doesn't have to change his game. He's just got to fit in. And then you augment that. With Vooch, who's having a terrific year, obviously Zach Levine, now you got a ball club that can, can do some damage. But it takes that superstar. And when that star is not around by injury, it makes all the difference. I have two things. You've been in the league a long time. Um, my first thing is I – and I thank you for this. You introduced me to Dominique Wilkins, and what a great dude that guy is. Holy cow, I could have sat in that lobby and talked to you guys forever. And two, in your world, um, this is a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it because I'm a dumb guy, Bob. Uh, where does LeBron James fit in the pantheon of players? Is he the best you've ever seen? Is he? Is nobody better than Jordan yeah. or Kareem? I mean, where are you at in all that? I tell stuff? you, it's, it's so hard, Dan, for me, because I'm like you. I'm a history buff. Yeah. Uh, with basketball, it's so hard to compare eras. Uh, and I think the, the big uh, deciding factor for me is what were the rules of the game with which they played under? You know, Michael Jordan, when he went to the basket against the Pistons, he had to make a business decision and a life decision. Do I go down the lane and let these guys take my head off or do I not? LeBron has not had to worry about that. He's the biggest guy on the court, and if you touch him, it's a foul. Now, can you imagine Dominique, uh, these guys, you know, of that era, Jordan, et cetera, when you could hand check and you could beat people up and do all that? Can you imagine what they would have averaged under today's rules? So, for me, I acknowledge LeBron it's, it's unbelievable the consistency, the how many years he's played, 
Uh, he's just now starting to slow down a little bit, and he's still unbelievable. But all time, man, how do you, you know, Wilt dominated his era. <clears throat> how, uh, you know, right. I mean, it's hard for me to say, but boy, Jordan was was pretty special. I get a lot of blowback on this, but I love Isaiah yeah. Thomas. Oh. I do. I mean, Isaiah went to Indiana. Oh, small he, yeah. So he leaves. He, yeah. He's number 11. I get to be number 11. You know, whatever. Um, when Isaiah Thomas went to the basket against Carl Malone, he, he told me this. He goes, Dan, I, people don't know. I almost died. He, he you know, I, I know you know the play. When Isaiah Thomas went to the basket, he had to pretty much fear for his yeah. life uh, at different times. When people, I've said this about Steph Curry. I'm a big Steph Curry fan. I'm a big Trey Young fan. I'm a big fan of these guys. And Steph Curry is bigger in person than what he looks. I get all that. But he would have had to make, he would have to make about five to seven, ten business decisions a game like Isaiah did going to the rim against a group of dudes that are okay knocking you on your ass fiercely. And I think there's a big difference to your point, Bob. I think that is a big difference for when you talk about guards. In there's no game. question. I mean, guys like these back then, uh, they couldn't survive physically uh, because you could, I mean, can you imagine to, to be able to do like Oscar Robertson, you know, and just, just kind of Alvin Robertson would be a great example. You know, you're bringing the ball up and he's taking that hand and he's just guiding you all over the court, you know, yeah, arm bars out front. The whole like, kind of like a college game today. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but, but it's right, uh, right. it's a different it's a different game. And uh, these guys have have. I, the other thing, of course, is the money too. You know that, that the old guys kind of resent. But I just think it's the playing of the game. It's so different. Um, I I don't know. I think that's a great point you make, Dan. That that could these guys survive? had they played under the rules of the nineties, uh, the eighties and nineties, that's a, that's a great question. So I, I respect today's players too, for what they do. I don't think the skill level has been any higher in NBA history than where it is today. Guys shooting 25, 30 footers with ease, with ease, Dan, and making them. That's probably never happened in our game, but at the same time, they are the beneficiaries of the modern rules. Yeah, it's funny, Bob. In Indiana, we all think we invented shooting, right? So people will say to me all the time, I'm old, but guys that are older than me, wow, guys don't shoot it like they used to. I'm like, are you out of your freaking mind? I mean, we got seven footers, my people coming over from Serbia, from Greece, from wherever the hell you want, that are drilling it like Rick Mount back in the 60s. Shut I get, I get like, shut up with that. Guys are shooting it better now than ever. Ever. The three-point shot has has changed everything, and uh, you're right. Bigs, corner threes from, you know, stretch fours. Uh, obviously, the guards uh, have been able in the NBA to shoot it, but you know, it it doesn't translate in the college game so much. Uh, but at the pinnacle here in the NBA, then yeah, I would say the skill level of our shooters is probably higher than it has ever been. Um, just go down the list. You know, look at Jokic. I mean, I love watching him play basketball. And to me, he would get my vote for MVP because when he's on the court, Denver's really good. And when he's off the court, they may be the worst team in the league, which to me is the <laughs> ultimate MVP. 
Jokovic, another one of my Serbian people. When I used to play in the Serbian national basketball tournament, it was like every guy looked like Jokic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Couldn't couldn't play like Jokic, but every guy looked like I'd Jokic. We sit at the bar in between. They got like, a guard. <laughs> they Go got ahead. a guard on that Denver team. Uh, Will Barton, you know, kid from uh, Baltimore, and, and uh, he had, I think, the greatest nickname for Jokic. Calls it Big Honey. If that doesn't sum it up. <laughs> I'm oh, telling man. you, man. And his ability, Dan, to, to pass the ball, I mean, out of that high post. You know, when Sabonis was in India and you watched him every day, and I was watching Sacramento just played Chicago, and I was watching the tape on the, on the plane yesterday. And when Sabonis is at the high post and he's holding that basketball out with one hand and, you know, making a pass, I see his father. I mean, it is unbelievable, you know, uh, the way his dad could pass it out of the high post. And you see a little bit of that, I think, with Jokic. When his dad was 18 years old playing for the Russian, I think it was the Russian, maybe it was yeah. Lithuania, Russian. I don't know. They came into Assembly Hall. Yeah, we were number one in the country. They came into Assembly Hall in one of those exhibitions. And, Bob, to say they beat the shit out of us, would be a very, very big understatement. And he dunked on me so hard, uh, Sabonis's dad, and this is a true story, that NBC, who hasn't had college basketball in I don't even know how many years, used to show it in as part of their sports package to advertise NBC Sports. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, NBC Sports, where we got the alert. And there's there's some bonus, and I'm like, ooh, you know. So I've always had a bit of respect for Arvidas and the whole family. So there you go. Great player. I, Bob, I appreciate it. I know you got a bus to catch, man. No, go I was going to say, I, I, I got the chance to, to see him at the end of his career in Portland. And, of course, by then – you know, his greatness had long since passed, but you'd see flashes when he was playing for the Blazers in the games against the Hawks. It was like, man, you know, 8 million cigarettes and 4,000 gallons of vodka later, this guy can still do it. Still do it. It's amazing. <laughs> he did. He was like Bill Walton. He was the next yeah. Bill Walton. I mean, Walton, they always said he liked the, you know, he liked the tob wacky tobacco. And, and hey, Couple cigarettes at halftime. Give me a couple shooters let's and go. let's go play the second half. What's the problem here, Bob? <laughs> what's, what's the problem? <laughs> hey, good luck tonight in Chicago. I, I thank you as always. I, like I said, I know you got a bus, my okay, man. Buddy. Thank you so much. Double D, it's great to see you. And anytime you just hop. I will. I will. And That's the great Bob Rathburn. I'm telling you, he's fantastic. He has seen more. Basketball, more great basketball, and bad basketball. I mean, hell, I mean, when you're in the NBA, you see the greatest and you see some of the worst, but he's an awesome dude, man, and I'm so thankful he came on. Somebody asked me, why are you talking about Trey Young? Well, number one, it's a national radio show, jackasses, and I like Trey Young. Don't at me, people. That's the name of the show. See it? Wait, don't. No, it's over here. Where the hell is it? Don't <laughs> at me. <laughs> the hell? I like Trey Young. Any NBA player that mentions me, I'm all in on. All right, we're going to be back. My boy, Jason Hammer. Jason Hammer is uh, basically the political voice of Indianapolis, and then he has become the sports voice of Indianapolis and maybe the country. You're going to get a degenerate special out of Jason Hammer coming up here that will win you money in a game you would never pay attention to. You're going to get his thoughts 
on the Ukraine. You're going to get his thoughts on is Biden using all of this to project his failing policies. Now, who doesn't want to stay around for this stuff? Hammer time next. Let's go. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome back. It is Don't At Me, as you can clearly see behind my big, fat head. You know, across the country, there are certain people that I don't respect. And actually, I would say it's probably most people. There are certain people that I absolutely do respect, and this is one of them. Hammer and Nigel is a show from 3 to 6 o'clock in Indianapolis. He also, you bet, on 107.5, the fan. There is nobody better for this show, all Indiana bets, on Wish TV. There's nobody better for this show than my next guest, Jason Hammer. You can follow him at Jason. I want to make sure I got this right. At Jason Allen Hammer on Twitter. He might be the best follow uh, <laughs> that you'll find. It is Hammer time, baby. How are you, my friend? You ready to get right in? Let's this? dive in, man. We got all hell breaking loose. We got money to make. We got wars going on. Let's dance, baby. Let's dance. All right, let's talk politics. I don't give a damn if those of you that tuned in say, I don't care about your politics, Dan. It's only because you don't agree with it. We talk common sense here. We're a political party. We don't care. We want to talk. So let's get right into it. National media has already, in my opinion, made the Ukraine the scapegoat for Biden's failed policies. Agree, disagree, and if you agree, walk me through what you think. 100% agree, and we've already seen it. I'm honestly surprised that it was this quick. And maybe that's something that, you know, is a problem with me. I knew this was coming, but I didn't think it would be this quick. So already, if you go onto the CBS News Twitter account, go back about a day, you're going to find the headline. And I swear to God, I'm not even making this up. The United States preparing for gas increases, supply shortages because of the Ukraine invasion. Now, Coach, I'm old enough to remember all of this hell breaking loose long before we started talking about Russia and the Ukraine. So this is already going to be the playbook, right? That's from CBS. These are the same people that trotted Nora O'Donnell out there and with that stupid blank eating grin on her face told us that the summer of love of 2020, the protests were mostly peaceful, but caused $2 billion worth of damage. So it's already working for CBS, and I promise you, CNN, MSNBC, they're all lock and step here. This is going to be the thing that the Brandon administration uses to say, well, we had everything rolling, but that damn Russia-Ukraine invasion, that's what that's the problem here. No, do not be fooled by this. This is smoke, this is mirrors, and it's bullcrap. We all know. We saw it at Christmas. We saw it in the grocery stores. We've seen it ever since Pete Buttigieg somehow became the transportation secretary, even though he couldn't run South Bend. There have been issues in this administration. It's not the Ukraine. It's the administration. Let me, let me walk, walk me through this real quick, because um, I do not understand this. 
why do, why does CBS News, like I understand you're trying to make your way in the news industry and you got to pick a side and you're on cable. I get that. But why do our major mainstream, ABC, CBS, uh, and NBC, why, when did they start 100% picking a side here? Is this a Donald Trump thing? What, did it happen before? When did this happen? Educate This me. has been happening for a long time. Now, Trump exacerbated the thing because they hated him so much because Donald Trump did not need them. That's the thing that drove the national media crazy, the left-leaning national media Donald Trump did not need them. That's why they were in such a rush to take away his Twitter account, to take away his social media, because that took away his power to communicate to the public. Nobody turned on NBC or CNN or even ABC to find out what Donald Trump thought. You went to his Twitter account. So Donald Trump highlighted this, but do not get it twisted. This has been going on for a long time. And social media has a lot of problems, right? I swear to God, if I won the Powerball and I had billions of dollars, first thing I would do is try to buy Twitter and unplug and delete the damn thing. But the one good thing that's come out of the rise of social media is that shows like yours, shows like mine, uh, we can highlight just how dishonest a lot of the national media is, how much of the bull crap we get fed is. I mean, anybody that lives in a major city in America, pick a city, in 2020, you probably had a window broken. You probably had something looted. Somebody may have been beaten. In my city of Indianapolis, there were two nights of riots. There were two people that were murdered. And CBS is going to roll out there and say everything was mostly peaceful other than that, you know, $2 billion worth of damage. These are the things that have been happening for a long time, but there hasn't been this level of media. There hasn't been blogs. There haven't been, you know, video shows. There hasn't been social media to counteract it and call out all the BS. All right. Well, then sticking with that point, Kyle Rittenhouse is suing everybody, right? I mean, I, hey, look, whatever you think of the verdict, whatever you don't think of the verdict, fine, whatever. It is what it is. But he is suing LeBron. He's suing Whoopi. And because, you know, I got to say he's suing the president as well, among others. Uh, and it's all under what you're saying. Too much bullshit. So let's go. Right. And people need to understand the difference between being a opinionated show and a new show. Right. So depending on which side of the aisle you're in, if you tune in to Tucker Carlson or even a Rachel Maddow, you know, you're getting an opinion. That's their opinion of the news. People have a hard time understanding, though, when Nora O'Donnell, the face of the CBS news program, uh, goes up there and starts spewing the same stuff. Well, you've crossed over into an opinion host. You've crossed over into talk show host category. That is not what the job description is supposed to be. So this is a major problem. And with Kyle Rittenhouse, I'm rooting for him. The groundwork has already been laid. Nicholas Sandman has already done this. For those who don't remember, this was the kid from Covington Catholic High School, took a field trip down to D.C., and some lunatic leftist guy was banging on a drum in front of his face, trying to make an ass of himself. And the Sandman just sits there, kind of has a smug look on his face, doesn't say a word, just stares at him. And then you've got Bakari Sellers of CNN. You've got Bill Maher of HBO talking about what a punchable face this kid is. They called him everything from a white supremacist to this and that, 
all for standing there and doing nothing wrong. And you know what happened as a result of that? The dude got paid. He's reached settlements with CNN. He's reached settlements with, I believe, the New York Times or the Washington Post, one or the other. So this isn't unprecedented. And I think you're going to start seeing more and more of this because a lot of people get done dirty from the national media. If you don't follow politics as closely as I do, or maybe even you, Coach, you watched the Brett Kavanaugh hearing of the Supreme Court. You would have thought this guy was everything from a gang rapist to a drug drug addict and everything in between. And none of that was true. You had Michael Avenatti bringing chicks out of the woodwork saying that he ran trains on them. None of that was true. So I'm happy some of this kind of stuff is happening. You have to do it right. You have to have competent people to file your lawsuits. You can't just snap your fingers and say, I'm going to sue CNN because they got good lawyers, too. So you better have all your ducks in a row. But it's not unprecedented. This has happened recently. No. And, you know, I, I'm, I think I think it look. I'm hoping that Rittenhouse wins. I'll be perfectly honest. I guess I could lie and try to stay neutral, but I'm hoping Rittenhouse wins. I'll tell you why, because I am tired of the bullshit. I mean, you and I have talked. Every story that I've ever been involved in, every single one has been wrong. Hell, they announced my contract extension the other day in the Indy Star, and the person that wrote it said I work for OutKick 360. (laughs) OutKick 360 is a show. It's completely separate. That's in the greatest newspaper. They have never gotten anything about me right, which tells me they've never gotten anything about you right, or them right, or that guy right, or this right. I just, you got to go by your own experiences, right? I mean, so I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Whoopi Goldberg to have to pay million. I'm rooting for the, the president. I'm rooting for everybody to have to pay out their ass for doing things like that. I just think have. about the last four years here, Coach. These are the stories that have been fed to us here. You have Kyle Rittenhouse as this white supremacist that his mother told him to drive across state lines with weapons and all of that crap. Anybody that watched that trial, that was the varsity against the JV in terms of evidence. Okay, so let's go back to Justice Kavanaugh. Again, you got Avenatti's, you've got all these people saying he did this, he did that. None of that was true. Your star witnesses came up and couldn't even remember being at the parties. And you've got Jesse Smollett. One day after the uh, fake crime that Jesse put together, you've got tweets from Kamala. You've got tweets from Joe Biden back when they're laying the groundwork for their campaigns, saying this is such a horrible day for America. And you've got tears from uh, anchors on MSNBC and all of this crap, man. The, this is the bull crap that gets fed to you. And we're at the point now to where when you fight back, the only thing that they can say, their only card that they can play is that you're a racist. Well, if you don't believe Jesse Smollett was the victim of a hate crime, you're a racist. If you don't believe Brett Kavanaugh raped right. five women, you're a racist somehow. That's the only card they have. I do a sports show. Eh, not really a sports show. I got you on. We talk politics when we feel like it. I'm called a racist. No, you work with Clay Travis. You're a racist. Okay. Right. Yeah, whatever, man. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't – like white supremacist is the only real uh, insult or, or racist that one can give. Um, the Jesse Smollett thing is, is interesting. The outcome of trials and the truth doesn't matter. No. I, I want to get into something else while I got you. I, 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 uh, the National Guard. 
uh, is to be deployed in case of a convoy here in the United States. What do you make of that? So let's go back again to the self-proclaimed summer of love in 2020, when cities were being looted, when riots were taking place. <laughs> Donald Trump said, if you need the National Guard, I will provide it. He reached out to governors of every state, mayors, and said, hey, if you need the National Guard, I will have it for you. He was called a racist because of that. But now, all of a sudden, because there's been a change of power in Washington, anybody that even thinks about looking side-eye at the president or the administration or the policies, you're a racist, and hot damn, we need to have the National Guard in here. They're already putting up fencing around the Capitol building because there's chatter that one of these freedom convoys might be making its way into Washington, D.C. And listen, January 6th is the one thing that they all go back to, right? The insurrection, January 6th, the deadly insurrection, which number one, I'd like to remind everybody that Alec Baldwin murdered more people that year than anybody that stormed the Capitol. And number two, ever since then, the Homeland Security Department the CIA, the FBI, they are like 0 for 9 in predicting new insurrections. Trump supporters, these bloodthirsty conservatives coming to Washington. It's the only thing that they can do now to shift the focus off their failed policies. So we saw what happened in Canada, and now there's chatter that a United States version is going to be making its way across the country into Washington. Now, I have questions about this. I'm not going to lie because I feel like this is something that can be infiltrated. I think you'll find some bad actors. You'll find whether it's Antifa or paid protesters from the left trying to infiltrate this thing, create some problems, so that way their pals at the national media can say, look at all these hillbillies, look at all these riotous you know, conservatives doing this. I mean, here in Indianapolis, we have seen paid protesters in action. Malik Mohammed was a guy that led a group up the street to the governor's mansion. They had this televised standoff against the police and the weak ass governor in the state of Indiana decided to meet with him the next day. This leader of this Black Lives Matter group storming the streets, he met with this guy in the governor's mansion coach and helped him write some of the policies for police reform in Indiana. Fast forward a couple months later, the same Malik Mohammed who was in Indianapolis, was out on the West Coast doing the same thing. And now he's in jail, in prison, because he attempted to murder multiple police officers. So don't tell me these people aren't orchestrated. These left-wing groups, they're completely uh, organized. They're, they're incredibly well organized. They will infiltrate this trucker convoy that's coming to the United States, and their partners at the national media will blame it all on the right. Yeah, and that's that. The world's gone, Matt. Will Hillary, like, there's no way, like, is there that Biden can run again? Is, is Hillary and, and is Trump, are they going to run this next time? Trump wants to. Trump absolutely wants to. I can and tell listen, that. I will be the first one to tell you, I got everything I wanted out of a Donald Trump presidency. Did I like everything that he said? No, of course not. But I don't need another best friend. This is the thing that drives me nuts. So many of these people, they vote for the president by saying, well, he looks like a guy I want to have a beer with. He looks like a good guy. If yeah. that's the way you pick the leader of the free world, do everyone a favor and walk your fat ass into oncoming traffic. I don't need a friend. 
I don't need a snuggle buddy. I need somebody that's going to lower the price of um, items that I'm buying in the grocery store. I need somebody to pay attention to what's happening to our border. It's great that we're paying attention to the Ukraine, but could we have just a little bit of attention to our southern border where fentanyl and criminals and drugs are pouring through on the daily? I don't need a best friend. I need somebody that's not afraid to look at Soleimani and blow him the hell up. That's what I'm looking for. I don't care about Twitter. That's just me. But some people clearly did, and that's kind of how we're in the situation that we're in. I've always said, and this goes back, people my age uh, pretty much say the same thing, although most have evolved and I haven't. I've always said, look, I want an administration that keeps gas prices down. Now, people tell me the president has nothing to do with gas prices, except when gas prices go down. And then I saw where Biden's people came out and started bragging about it after they had right. gone up. Gas guy is the worst. I want the stock market Gas rolling. guy is huh? the yeah, absolute worst person on Twitter. Yeah. The worst people on social media yeah. are the one that will leave a comment that says, who cares? Well, clearly you did, Needle Dick, because you left a comment. And gas guy. Gas guy is the one that, depending on which side of the political scale you're on, will make the argument. Listen, I am old enough to remember when the orange man was in office trying to make the United States dependent on our own supply, things were going pretty good. And now, day one in office, the Biden administration, they, you know, take away everything that was done previously because orange man bad. And we were paying a lot more at the pump long before this Ukraine situation. You know what? Listen, we all want to save the whales. We all want to save the environment. But nobody also wants to pay eight damn dollars a gallon for a, a gallon of gas. So, you know, gas guy is going to do his thing. The other, the, other thing, the other thing is, in my day, going back, Jimmy Carter's in office and then Reagan, actually, inflation. Man, when you heard the word inflation, I remember my mother. We, she only went shopping. It's not like now where you go to the store every day. My mother went shopping on the second Friday because that was payday. And she would come home with groceries. And I remember her going, my gosh, you know, our family budget was blown up because Jimmy Carter had the word in my life of inflation. So that's the second thing. I don't want to hear the word inflation. And the third thing, keep the stock market rolling. Now, environmentalists or whatever guy may say something different. I don't give a damn. That's your, mine are those three things. Gas prices down. I don't want to hear inflation and keep the stock market rolling because my old ass wants to retire soon. That's it. And if you go back to the environmentalists here, think about some of the things that Bernie Sanders and Barack Obama have said. Obama said that basically in a number of years, coastal cities will be underwater. Guess where he moved? He got a new house right there on the coast. So, uh, you know, for over 25 years, they've been saying we're going to be underwater. We're going to be underwater. All right, fine. I keep waiting for that to happen. Um And with the inflation situation, you've got Joe Biden, who comes out the other day. I mean, this isn't something we're talking about a year ago or months ago. This was just the other day talking about the Ukraine-Russia situation. You know, there may be some costs that we're going to have to uh, take on as a result of this. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Coach. Don't be fooled by this crap. This Ukraine situation has nothing to do with why inflation is as bad as it is, why the supply chain is as bad as it is, why everything from the border to jobs are as bad as they are. Somehow, Joe Biden, the everlasting job stopper himself, has 
been so horrible at his job. You've got a worker shortage, a job shortage, all of that going on at the same time. I mean, that normally would take years for somebody to screw up. It took my man one. Joe Biden was going to stop COVID. He was going to cure cancer. How's that going? Remember, that was part of his campaign trail. He was he was going to cure cancer. <laughs> he was going to cure cancer. He was going to stop COVID. Putin was going to be scared of him. I'm, look, I'm not going to tell you that I'm in any meetings, but it sure don't seem like Putin's a lot of, uh, very much afraid of Joe Biden. Maybe he is. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it. Here's the thing with Vladimir Putin. There's no fear of the West right now. Okay, so go back to when the Obama administration was in place. Vladimir Putin gets a little squirrely, starts doing some stuff. All right, we see that. Donald Trump is the president. Now, Donald Trump meets with Pootie Tang. They hang out. They talk. He might say some things that people kind of raise an eyebrow of, why are you being nice to Vladimir Putin for? But there was also that threat of screw around and find out. Forget, Donald Trump met with a lot of people that he didn't really like. He met with Kim Jong-un. He met with Vladimir Putin. Um, he had discussions with folks in Iran. Sometimes he would say complimentary things that would drive people nuts. But at the same time, you knew if you got squirrely, you would meet the same demise as Soleimani. You would meet the same demise as el-Baghdadi because the threat was there. And what Joe Biden has already done, already done in the situation with Russia and the Ukraine, he showed his hand. Right. Nobody wants United States troops involved in this, but the rest of the world has to think that we're willing to do it. Joe Biden's already said, you know, we're not going to be going into war. We're just there for support. We're going to give you some things. Well, if you're Vladimir Putin, you're thinking, OK, great. The threat isn't there. I'm going to go ahead and do what I'm going to do, because Vladimir Putin is 70 years old. He's an old KGB guy and legacy is important to him. He wants to go down as the strong Soviet leader that brought everything back together, right? Well, that's happening now because there's no threat from the Western world. I've said all the time when people bits, whine, and moan about Trump meeting people, I said, did you ever hear the axiom or the cliche or whatever it's called? You know, keep your friends closer. Keep your, enemy, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Right. That... I don't, I don't know why that's so difficult for people to understand. The level of stupid and hate is, is beyond anything, and I mean anything, uh, that is, is, is astounding to me. It, it is. It's astounding. Right. Thanks for that. That was, no, that was an awesome segment. If you disagree, here's what you do. You just call everybody a, 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 a white supremacist. <laughs> right. Get on the YouTube chat. Call us a white supremacist because we're actually having a conversation that you disagree with. How did, how did, last thing, how did Joe Biden become the guy with all of his racist propaganda, all his racist talk, how in the world does this guy become the guy that if you insult, you're a racist for insulting this guy who has said the most vile things ever as a politician? How did that happen? His vice president on one of the primary debates said the exact same thing. She called Joe Biden everything right. but the racist, but because she is so power hungry and she knows that she is unlikable and there's no way she's going to get in that position on her own, she decided to hitch her wagon on it. The hypocrisy of this whole thing is laughable from Joe Biden acting like he's some sort of 
uh, political tough guy. You know, that's not corn pop on the other side. That's Vladimir Putin. You can't give us a tough guy speech at a, you know, an empty swimming pool and expect that to work this time. And your vice president doesn't respect you. She was so unlikable. She got beat in her own primary by Amy Klobuchar. Let that sink in. Democrat voters thought Amy freaking Klobuchar was more likable than Kamala Harris. She lasted longer than she did. But yet now she's hitching her wagon to a guy that, you know, spoke at the funeral of a segregationist, was called everything but a racist by her on a national debate stage. The hypocrisy is strong with this group, coach. When he before he went all hair plugs, <laughs> Biden said the most disgusting, vile stuff. I, I but now if you if you go against any of his policies or any of his thoughts or any of him, you're a racist. That, I, and I'm I, whatever you think you think. But that to me is arguably the I don't know if it's the most ridiculous. I would say saddest thing that we've become that Joe Biden, Joe Biden has the moral high ground when it comes to race. That is stunning to me. And look at the um, Canadian truckers. I know no, you got to take a go break ahead. here, but take a look at these Canadian truckers. No, no, I'm not taking a break. We're, hey, no, 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 no. We're going to fade, Good. baby. You go at the, give me the Canadian truckers. I, I'm just highlighting the hypocrisy here, right? So in 2020, again, we keep going back to it. Um, you've got Kamala Harris starting a bail fund to bail out rioters, to bail out people who were breaking windows and looting. There was a bail fund set up. Justin Timberlake was a part of it. Steve Carell and all these woke celebrities were a part of it. They had to bail these people out. The organizer, now I, I get it's a different country, but the philosophy is the same. The organizer of the Canadian Freedom Convoy is locked up and no bail is available. And not a single word from Joe Biden, not a single word from Kamala Harris, all these people who said you got to take to the streets and you got to do it peaceful in 2020, even though it wasn't peaceful, haven't said a damn word about what's happened in Canada. And there hasn't been one liquor store burned down. There hasn't been one murder. Nobody has been shot. This what happened in Canada was everything the national media has told us 2020 was in the United States. And we don't hear a damn thing from this administration. Let me tell you something. The peaceful protests, at least in our city of Indianapolis, you can kiss my ass. I go down there every single day. And I know, hey, look, the Sports Corp did a great job of boarding up and painting the windows on Washington Street between Meridian uh, and Illinois. And it looks like their business is there. But there was a great barbecue place, completely shut down. There was a great brew house, completely because of bombs and be not bombs, because of uh, things going through the window, uh, fires. I mean, the, the bullshit in our city that we've seen. Look, I don't know about other cities, but you can kiss my ass with that being a peaceful protest in Indianapolis. And somewhere our mayor was under the table doing whatever the hell our mayor does. And the city still isn't back, no. regardless of what you're going to see when you come in for the Big Ten women's and the Big Ten men's tournament. It ain't back. It's just boarded up and decorated. And I'm there every day. So don't at me with your bullshit, people. Anyway, there you go. Uh, Middle Tennessee, let's go to some fake, because you're the best gambler that there is in the world. Middle Tennessee, big boy. Middle Tennessee, you're liking a minus six against the thundering herd of Marshall. No? I love this game tonight. So Middle Tennessee State at home this year, 13-0. 13-0 at home. And with a win tonight, 
Middle Tennessee State clinches first place in their division in the conference. So at this point in the season, what's today? The 24th of February. The 24th of February, I'm looking for a couple things. I'm looking for teams that have something to play for and teams that have packed it up and packed it in. Middle Tennessee State's got something to play for here at home, conference, you know, division championship on the line, unbeaten string at home. They're playing good ball. I will take this. I will lay the six and a half with Middle Tennessee State all day. Yeah, I like that. I do. Middle Tennessee State has resurrected itself a bit. Remember a few years ago, Middle Tennessee was pretty good. Uh, I forget the dude's name, Kermit Davis. Uh, one of my coaches worked for him and had to quit because of certain things that were going on. But, hey, look, it's the South. Uh, I'll take Middle Tennessee. I'll give the six and a half. Hey, look, I love you long time. You know this. But you just said I'm with a team that's playing for something against a team that's not playing for something. Georgetown, I feel terrible because I'm a Patrick Ewing fan. I've got a chance to talk to him numerous times. Great dude. Hasn't won a game. I hate this for Patrick Ewing. <laughs> DePaul stinks. Uh, give that coach maybe a year or two, Satterfield. I hope he turns it around. I grew up a DePaul fan. These two teams are going nowhere. You're just taking the one that's going less nowhere in DePaul, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, this is the lesser of two evils here. Um, I think in the last two months, myself and four homeless guys out on Monument Circle have the same amount of wins as the storied Georgetown basketball program here. Um, two and a half is the number. The hook scares me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, and some people say, don't ever buy the hook. It's the totals that low. If you want to buy the .5, I'm not mad at you because I think this is going to be a close game. It's going to be an awful game, but I think it's going to be a close game. But in no <laughs> way can I take Georgetown right now. Uh, DePaul, if you look at their numbers here, five and two against the spread in their last seven, that's not too bad compared to Georgetown at home, 0-4 of the last four home games against the spread. So if I'm doing the math here, if my Ball State education math class is correct, I got DePaul here. Yeah, the problem that I see in this game, and, I, and this is both teams, for whatever the reason, continue to play pretty hard. Like, like even – I, I, I'm going back the last two weeks. I don't know. Georgetown, to me, has screwed me on some spreads. Maybe it was more than two weeks ago. They were playing hard. DePaul stinks to high heaven, but they're just coming off. And listen to this. A two-point loss at Seton Hall, who's pretty good. They beat Georgetown by eight the last time at home. They played Providence to a three-point game. They lost by two against Butler, lost by 12. But that was in the end. They lost by 12 against Creighton. I just think both of these teams, even though they're absolute, you know what, they play hard, but I'm with you. I'll take DePaul. I'll get rid of the hook because I always get rid of the hook. I hate the hook. I hate Nobody the hook. Nobody ever wins. Now, people can say, well. Nobody ever wins from the hook. No. Everybody loses. Not one person watching this, not one damn person probably has a, a victory story because of the hook. There's people that win on the hook, and they'll say they won on the hook just because they don't like your politics or they don't like right. me. You right. know what I mean? Oh, you're crazy. I've won on the hook. No, you didn't. <laughs> don't lie. Don't come on this show, you people, on Twitter or on uh, on the Outkick app or wherever the hell we're at. Don't come on this show and lie. Hammer and I know. You've never won on the hook, and you've had your ass kicked on the hook. That's it. <laughs> Give me the... the Give me the Degenerate oh, Special. Oh, this is my baby. This is my baby. The Degenerate Special is a game <laughs> 
that nobody in their right mind would want to watch, nobody would want to care about, but Las Vegas was kind enough to put a point spread on it, and the money you can win on this game, Coach, is the same as you're betting on Duke against North Carolina. So with that being said, we're taking a little trip to Michigan tonight. We've got Purdue-Fort Wayne at Oakland. Now, the line is Oakland minus six. Oakland is a home favorite minus six. I am hitching my wagon to the Mastodons here. The artist formerly known as IPFW, Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne. They've cut Indiana. It's now just Purdue Fort Wayne. I'm going to scoop up the six points here. If you look at the last seven games, you know how many of these games PFW has won? All seven, baby. All seven. Six and one against the spread. They're playing pretty good basketball. Oakland, on the other hand, if you look at their last 10 games against the spread, one and nine. Hell, I think the wrong team is favored here. So if you're looking to pick up the most points possible, jump on this line now. Take Purdue, Fort Wayne, getting six against Oakland. That line will definitely go down closer to game time tonight. Uh, I can hear people say, when the hell Purdue moved to Fort Wayne? <laughs> right? <laughs> I have bet on Fort Wayne this year. Man, I have won on Go Fort ahead. Wayne. Fort Wayne can play. Fort Wayne can play. I think it might be a close game, but I'm getting six points. Dude, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. I, I can. I, I, I can absolutely see that. I I hate to go against the fighting Greg Campy's. Greg Campy's been the coach at Oakland for like 35 years. Greg Campy is the smartest coach in the country because not only was he the coach, but he was the AD for most of that time. But to make him even smarter, his wife is like a, I don't know, uh, top 10 surgeon in the, or something like this in nice. the world, makes many, many millions more than he does. And the last thing with Greg Campy, he always smells of sausage. <laughs> so he lives life the way you want to live life. The sausage factor I'm, is strong. The like, sausage factor is strong. It's strong. I'm still going against them tonight. Yeah, and when you look at their court, I think they call it like the playground or the street court or something because it's the court at Oakland in Rochester, New York, which is a very affluent area, or Rochester, uh, uh, Michigan. Um, the court is designed to be like pavement that you play on as a kid, you know, the full court down right. the street. That's what it's designed. A lot of intrigue tonight in the IPFW or whatever <laughs> the hell it's called. Um Oakland game. You're the best, man. You brought the heat, and I knew you would. Thank you for the time, my Thank friend. Thank you. All right. That's the great Jason Hammer at Jason Allen Hammer. The feedback I'm getting is that you love my man, which is, well, you should, because the dude is like, you know, uh, he's freaking great at what he does. And when we come back, I've got a couple of things for you, including check this out this weekend. You know, this weekend is going to be a really big weekend, particularly in college basketball. And I'll drop a couple fades on my own, but I'm not going to lie. My man Jason's degenerate special, that hits, I'm not saying 100% of the time, because nothing hits 100% of the time, but that bad boy hits a ton. I'll give you a couple fades of my own. I'll tell you what to watch out for, and I'll read some of your tweets and some of the information that's going on. It's heated at youtube.com. Search, don't at me.
Man, I'm looking at that sweet line. Whenever we do a show, the line moves. That line on the degenerate special by my man, uh, Jason Hammer. Go to Jason Ellen Hammer. You'll love him. Go to at Bob Rathburn TV. Both great guests today. All right, let me give you a couple things. You know, college basketball is heating up. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And last night, Michigan did what Michigan needed to do to get in the tournament. If you're a Michigan fan, I got to tell you, you got to be really happy with what you saw last night. You really do. I mean, I thought Michigan was terrific. Now, Wisconsin did the same thing. Excuse me. Wisconsin, who is fighting for a Big Ten title, and I got to tell you, it is the most unlikely title, I think, in Wisconsin basketball history if it happens. Why do I say that? I'm telling you, when I saw them, First half, look it up, first half against Texas A&M in the Maui Classic, which was actually in Las Vegas, they looked awful. Like, when I say awful, I mean awful. But they're playing down the stretch for a Big Ten title, so let's go and stay in the Big Ten. Tonight, Ohio State is at LSU, or excuse me, is at Illinois. Monster, monster Big Ten game. Why? Illinois is in first place. Ohio State is a game back. This is really, really a game for Illinois to just maintain position. It is a game for Ohio State to put themselves back in first place. Let me explain. And this is where I'm at with Check This Out this weekend. All right. The Big Ten standings are as such. And just bear with me here. Wisconsin won last night. They're 13-4. and four. Great win on the road. If you've never coached a game in college basketball, don't tell me a win at Minnesota isn't really good. Purdue, 13-4. and four. This is where it gets sexy. And Illinois, 13-4. and four. Right behind them, right behind them is 10-5 and five Ohio State. So Ohio State has the chance to jump up and tie, I don't care about wins, I only care about losses, to tie Illinois in the loss column with a win tonight. Easier said than done. Tough action tonight. All right, And I'll tell you who I'm going to take with the points in a minute. But let me set this up for you. Here, fast forward to this weekend, Saturday. Purdue, coming off a nice win, goes to Michigan State. Now, we all know what happened to Sparty the other day. Sparty, as my dad used to say, got split. They went to Iowa and got their ass beat. A six to eight point deficit became 30 so fast, I barely had time to read a chapter of my latest David Beldacci novel. That thing went boom. Next thing you know, Izzo, mm, he goes back licking his wounds. Tell you this, I said this earlier, I'll say it again. Great programs bounce back. Whatever you think of Michigan State, and frankly, I don't think much of the people at Michigan State other than Izzo. I got no use for them. None. Zero. I think they ought to raise their admission standards. 
I think the people that go there and the alumni are idiots. I do. Anybody that chants, we hate Dockage, 12,000 people like they did to me, and nobody there has the balls to come to me and say, look, that was embarrassing. We apologize. I got no use for you, but I love Izzo. Izzo and I have history. He attacked me at the press conference. Privately, I told him exactly what I thought of him, what he could do with his head, what he could go blank himself. We're friends now. I'll defend him. He'll defend me. He's tried to help me, and I've tried to help him. It's what I do. I'm a man. I ain't some little D-bag. Anyway, I think this is going to be interesting. Watch this game. Don't mess around with this game. Watch it. It's going to be fun. Michigan State's going to play well. Not saying they're going to win, but it's going to be fun. Kentucky. Kentucky absolutely got what they needed last night in a win, a win, albeit a shaky one at the end at home against LSU. Let me explain. When you're a coach, you ain't mad about winning and playing badly, particularly this time of year. Emphasis on winning. Would you like to win and play really well? Of course you'd like to play uh, win and play really well. You'd like to be the 76 Hoosiers that went undefeated. But nobody goes undefeated, at least since 1976. What do I mean by Kentucky? Let me explain. So Calipari has his team, and they're playing bad in the first half. They're down at halftime. Lights out in the second half. About the first 12, 14 minutes, they play great. Last four or five minutes, whatever it is, shaky. Very, very shaky. Why is it shaky? Well, they can't beat the press. A 16-point lead gets whittled down. They win. They win by five. Here's what happens. You go into the locker room, and even though you won, you say, great win, you got it, but you're pissed. Players know you're pissed. Players are going to be attentive. Why is this important? Because they're going to play as hot a team as there is in college basketball. The Arkansas Razorbacks, I don't give a rat's ass about where they are ranked. 18th, great. First, great. Doesn't matter to me. The Arkansas Razorbacks have won 11 of their last 12 games. You are going to, as Kentucky, go into Bud Walton Arena. It's been a long time since the nation really learned or know, knew about Bud Walton Arena. Back in the day of Nolan Richardson, 40 minutes of hell, which is the style of play that Nolan Richardson played, which means we're going to, man, we're going to pick you up full court. And we're going to be here for 40 minutes. Well, that was part of it. That was the biggest part. Second part of it was the fans. Bud Walton Arena, Woo Pig Suey, a lot of platinum blonde women in too tight of t-shirts with, you know, and a lot of dudes with gold chains with kind of cowboy hats that look like they're seven freaking fingers of John Barleycorn into a drink that started six hours ago, hanging out, going woo pig suey. Watch it. Before you call me a sexist, just watch it. It's what you're going to see. The Arkansas fan base, particularly those that are too old to wear the clothes that they wear, is one of, if not the most ridiculously fun fan bases in the world. They're fun, but they're angry. They're prideful, 
but they're hunger are, are humble and they wear the most ridiculous clothes. I mean, there are their women are so tight in their clothes, and the men got themselves kerchiefs, and it's just the damnedest thing. And I love it. I love it. That is a game, truthfully, that I would go to. That is a game, of all these games, I wouldn't go to Waco, Texas. I like Scott Drew. We'll get him on the show. But I wouldn't go to Waco, Texas, just for the hell of it. Although I do like that show that they have down there. I've Chip and Joanna. I think it's great. It's fantastic. We watch it. I'm in. But I would go to Arkansas to watch that game. That would be fun. And I'd get there early. I don't like getting places early, but I'd get there early. And I'd wear a mask if they told me to. Last one. Kansas at Baylor. This is a hell of a game. I told you yesterday about Kansas. I told you yesterday that Kansas was one of those teams that got its absolute ass embarrassed. I mean embarrassed. Like Kentucky came in there a couple Saturdays ago and took them, what do you all say? Took them to the woodshed, Donkage. Donkage, I tell you what, you keep that mouth on you, I'm going to take you to the woodshed. You know how many times I've heard that? From Southern Indiana folks when I was playing softball, I loved it. Anyway, I digress. Kansas is one of those teams that bounces back. I told you last night, pay attention to Duke, or I told you yesterday, pay attention to Duke because Duke was going to beat Virginia yesterday, today, tomorrow, because why? Because Virginia beat Duke earlier. I can't decide. I just decided. That's where I got distracted just now. You ever see the movie Friday? You know who Debo is? It's my Debo shirt. I like it. All right, as we sit here right now, Kansas is doing what Kansas does, which is win the Big 12. Baylor is doing what Baylor does, which is be right there either with, ahead, or right behind Kansas at 11-4. and It's a big game. Baylor has jumped back and won two in a row. As I said, Kansas was embarrassed and jumped back and won four in a row. This is one of those games, ladies and gentlemen, that I will not watch. I don't, for whatever the reason, I don't find, and I don't know what it is, but I don't find Big 12 basketball appealing. And I don't think it's the players. I don't think it's the coaches. I don't think it's the announcers. You know what I think that it is? I just have no connection. I like Scott Drew. I've known Scott Drew 100 years. I really like Scott Drew. I didn't like Scott Drew, and now I like Scott Drew. But I'll tell you this, um, last time they played, Kansas beat the living hell out of Baylor. What was the score here? 83-59. to 59. I know I'm supposed to like all basketball, but I don't like all basketball. I honest, and, I honest to God, I do not watch Big 12 basketball. Probably watch this. What time is it on? 8 o'clock. It's going to be a hell of a game. ESPN will have it. The announcers will be great. The game will be fantastic. The crowd will be off the chain, yo. But I don't think I'm going to watch it. I really don't know why. Like, there are certain places. Are you guys like this? Let me go to the YouTube chat. Are you guys like this? Are there some gyms that you just don't like watching a game at on TV? Like, when I went and was an assistant coach at Indiana, and we played at Kansas, um, I thought... What was it called? What was the place? Fog Allen was great. I thought it was great. 
I thought it was tremendous. I thought it was a very fun place to watch a game or coach a game. I watch it on TV, and I honestly don't know why I don't like watching it. Because the crowd's great. Self, I really like. I, I, don't, I don't know. Oklahoma, never been able to watch a game there. Never. Kansas State, no interest. When I played at Kansas State, this is going back 100 years ago, when I played at Kansas State um, with Indiana, I thought it was a great place to play. But I can't watch it on TV. Texas, I can't watch it on TV. Oklahoma State is a great place. Loud. My friend Doug Gottlieb tell you, it's great. Can't watch it on TV. Um, there are just some places. Greg Lehman says, hey, uh, Oregon's floor gives me a headache. Oregon's floor gives me gas. Like, I start when Oregon's floor is out. It does. I saw one last night. Last night, I saw... Uh, the Ram head at, or- at Colorado State hated it. I'll give you the other side. I don't know how many of you actually watched from start to finish the game with Providence and Xavier. The- I've already talked about the coaches. But if you go back and watch that game, here's what I liked. Students behind the bench drinking Bud Light. Guys with their shirts off. Girls in tank tops going crazy. It was the most real crowd that I've seen. Like when they show an Indiana crowd, Indiana basketball crowd, it's a twerpy bunch of little East Coast frat guys who really need to go home. But I'm telling you, that Providence crowd last night, guys had their shirts off, bellies were flapping, they were drinking beers. Lee. Wasn't that crowd last night great? Nah. Nothing. Anyway, I'm telling you, that was, I loved watching a game at Providence. I love watching a game at Purdue uh, on TV. I love watching a game where else? Butler's the most overrated place in the world, let's be honest. Uh, Dan, Rick's Bevo, Southern Mississippi is the worst place to watch a game. We'll give you cancer. Listen to this. We'll give you cancer, Rex says, if you stay inside for extended periods. Brian Smith says, I like Boise's Blue Field. We're talking about basketball here. Did I miss something? Uh, Penn State basketball is awful. Catman said it best. Listen to this. That game last night, Providence Xavier, reminded me of the Big East Finals, UConn-Syracuse. Lee brought that up last night. It it is funny, though. It is amazing how where you watch the game in my world dictates if I watch the game. I'll give you a story. Back when I was a kid, the Green Bay Packers were the dullest team in the world. Like, they had nothing. They were horrible. And when the Green Bay Packers came on, I turned the channel unless they were playing the Bears. I went to the Channel 5 game because the Packers were on Channel 2 in Chicago, the CBS station. Now, when the Kansas City Chiefs and the Oakland Raiders came on and the helmets and all that, I watched. When they started the show on CBS with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders and Roger Staubach had the uniform, shit, I almost went out and bought one. So... It just helps. I'll tell you one of the sports and one of the reasons, one of the reasons why 
women's softball is becoming so popular. One of the reasons, it's great, it's great theater. That, I'll, give you some, I'll give you most of the reasons. One, the girls on there play their ass off. Actually, one, the girls on there can really play. Like, it's really high-quality stuff. Two, uh, the girls play their ass off. Three, the players are incredibly enthusiastic. But you know what trumps all of that? It really shows up well on TV because of all of that. The game is enclosed. When's the last time you watched a college baseball game? Everybody loves college baseball. College baseball is the greatest. All right. College baseball, you know, here you go. All right? Fine. But the truth of the matter is it's too big, it's too spread out, and it's boring as hell. Now, back in the day when they played at Omaha in Rosenblatt Field, They had the old school signs. You loved it. You know you did. You loved it. Loved it. Didn't like it. You I loved it. It It's fantastic. But the truth of the matter is, college baseball does not show up well on this television. Women's softball shows up great. I mean, it's enclosed. It's fast. It's fast. You know two hours... It's one of the reasons college basketball took off. College basketball took off because, well, two hours, crowds on you, let's go. College football, totally different deal. NFL, totally different deal. But that's why college softball is great. I don't know. I don't know why I can't watch the Big 12. I wish I could. I agree with Hammer. I do. Uh, I agree with Hammer on the Degenerate Special. Take IPFW, even though I love Greg Campy. I think he's a great coach. I think he's one of America's coaches. I got to get him on the show. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple things tonight. I'm going to take Charlotte minus seven over FIU. I got to hurry a little bit here or else I would explain it maybe a little more. Uh, Indiana's given six and a half today to Maryland. I'm going to take the Indiana and I'm going to give you the six and a half. I know Maryland's played better. They have. But Indiana, honest to God. Indiana is desperate, aren't they? Doesn't there have to be a little desperation for Indiana? I'm going to give you the six and a half. I'm going to give it. I'll I'll give it to you, Maryland people. Two things you're going to see tonight if you go on Twitter from Maryland twerps. If they're losing, they'll start bitching about me. If they're losing, they will say whoever's broadcasting the game He'll start bitching about me. There's all these little blogger boys that don't know their ass from third base about basketball. They always bitched about me because I knew what I was talking about in basketball and they couldn't understand it. And now when Maryland loses, they bitch about me. It's like Michigan State. Watch. You'll see it tonight. That's how pathetic they are. Anyway, if you're Maryland, you just go hire Rick Pitino and shut the hell up, by the way. Got to get Pitino on here too. Um, There are a couple more that I like, uh, one of which let me down the other day, but they came back and played really well at the end, Wright State. Wright State's minus six and a half against Youngstown. Don't ask questions, people. Just take it. I wouldn't mind taking Memphis minus 12 and a half uh, against Temple. Memphis coming off a terrible loss to SMU, although SMU is good. Uh, Memphis needs a win, and they need win- they need a win like they need air, like I need hair, uh, so do that. I hate to do this. But I don't think my fighting incarnate words are very good. I want them to be good. They will be good. Carson Cunningham is my boy. 
I think they get split tonight by Houston Baptist. I do. You don't know who Tarlington State is, but you know the name Billy Gillespie? Billy Gillespie is coaching Tarlington State. Billy Gillespie will beat UT Rio Grande Valley by more than seven and a half. That might be my lock of the day. Not saying it. Yeah, that might be my lock of the day. Billy Gillespie just had an article written on him. His players are all excited. I'll take Ohio State in six tonight, too. I will. I'm sorry. You may not, but I will. I'll also take Colorado, minus five and a half. Hey, can somebody put these all together and uh, let me know? Because I want to put this whole thing in a parlay. Because I think this parlay would play out uh, big time. Ryan, you've been awesome, man, on the YouTube chat. I really appreciate you. As you know, we don't have a show on Fridays. I'm not even doing my local show on Friday. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to give a speech to a bunch of great people down in Panama City. I'm leaving this afternoon. I'm getting there tonight. I'm playing golf at 7 o'clock in the morning with three of my high school buddies who are flying in. I'm going to play golf in the afternoon. That's right. Then I'm going to go give a speech tomorrow night to a great group of people. Then I'm waking up Saturday, and I'm playing 36 on Saturday. Then I'm waking up Sunday, and I'm going to give a speech to a great group of people. Don't at me, people. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Ryan. Monday, peoples. Adios.